1945, we defeated an enemy with the words, It can't happen here. Hmm, dare to revise that thinking? Democracy dies in the dark, in the shadow of lies. Now more than ever, you need the light of truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your voice of the light is Dan Newman. There he goes again. Pete Moss is using that T word truth. (laughs) Wow. Not a lot of truth around us anymore. And we have to ferret through a lot of garbage to find the truth, don't we? Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. This is going to be a special day. We have a very special guest that will be joining us in about 10 minutes. I talked about him yesterday. I hope many of you went and did some research and found out what and who Dunstan Tao is, let me just say this. He is one of the foremost experts on the planet in cryptocurrency. He is probably, and when we get him on the air, I'm going to try to ask him, I don't want to insult him, but ask him how heavily invested is he in in Bitcoin. He is one of the biggest owners on earth of Bitcoin. But what Dunstan is doing now and how I met him is he started a cryptocurrency with some partners here in the U.S. called Philcoin. And so he's going to visit with us about that in detail. I want all of our audience members to be able to understand what Philcoin is about. But what are we going to do in the interim? Well, news is out. And it's not necessarily good news for this president and for those in his family Uh, It doesn't have anything to do with Hunter, at least not right now. But what it has to do with is what's going on in the nation as a result of Joe Biden's policies and um, all the money he spent. A key barometer of inflation released this morning indicates prices rose faster than expected in September. That's called the Producer Price Index. It tracks prices across the U.S. that businesses charge for the goods and services that they produce. Those prices for these businesses went up 0.4% for the month of September, just one month, double the expected figure. So in perspective of the last 12 months, the producer price index is up 8.5%. 8.5%. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's higher than the 8.4% that was expected. But a little bit later, right after we finish our conversation with Dustin Tao, you're going to hear from President Biden himself with Jake Tapper of CNN last night. And uh, they talked about inflation. And Joe says, no, we don't have inflation. We may have inflation, he said, but it's going to be mild if we have it at all. (laughs) I don't know how you determine what is mild and what mild is acceptable to the American people. If in the upcoming election, if the things out there that are uh, the most important to Americans, if the economy and inflation is not number one, it's number two, there's a back and forth when, depends on who you poll. 
If you pull somebody in Chicago or New York City or some of the other big cities, they'll tell you crime is the number one problem. Elsewhere in the nation, you'll find some spots where people say it's about the money. It's about the money. So how is it impacting you? This latest greatest on the Biden energy issue. Well, the national average price for gas yesterday was four bucks a gallon as Americans struggle in Biden's economy. AAA's gas tracking website recorded the day's national average at $3.92 a gallon. Monday's average was $3.91 a gallon. A year ago, $3 and a quarter. In March of this year, Personal finance expert Dave Ramsey, you know him, you see him all the time. He's a quote-unquote economist. He told Fox News that lower-income Americans are struggling financially and they got hit with the pandemic. Now they're getting hit with this Biden inflation at the gas pump. The gas pump is 100% on Biden's desk. It's 100% his fault. Meanwhile, Other experts say Biden's going to have to drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to a 40-year low at the end of this month. Think about that. The Strategic Petroleum Reserves held approximately 638 million barrels of oil before Joe took office. But America's oil reserve will be depleted 40% in just a few weeks at the current rate of release. The deficit of oil reserves is notable because gas prices are soaring under the leadership of Biden. He's released the strategic petroleum reserves during an election year to seemingly protect Democrats' chances of retaining the House and Senate. Much of the nation's energy crisis is due to Biden's own policies, like his campaign promise. He was going to reduce, if not eliminate, oil drilling. Well, in the last two years, the Biden administration has been successful and driving up private and public financing costs of oil drilling. And what does that do when the expenses go up? Well, doing the drilling slows down. Halting drilling on public lands, he's done that, and he canceled the Keystone Pipeline. Earlier, he urged all of us to buy electric cars to avoid high gas prices while he was advocating for green energy policies. He said this, quote, under my plan, which is before the Congress now, we can take advantage of the next generation of electric vehicles that a typical driver will save about $80 in a month from having to pay gas at the pump. A mere 36% of voters approve of Biden in the days leading up to the midterms. Americans' dissatisfaction with him, his management, they come while His sagging economy is the number one issue among voters. It's number one. After our conversation with Mr. Tao, we're going to start here in just a few minutes. When we come out of that, we're going to to go look at a couple of segments of Jake Tapper of CNN's conversation face-to-face, which is very unusual doing a sit-down with this president is rare, as a matter of fact. But Jake Tapper did get a little testy, asked some really good questions. And so we have a big show today, and I want you to hang around. Dunstan Tao 
will be up next, right after this from TNN Live. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test hey drive, there, it's me but again. with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury Where are to you luxury. Today? Not for an hour or even a day, but for an <laughs> entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com okay, so and truly become familiar with luxury. In the US Infinity now. of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys <laughs> to a luxury experience like none other. Wow. LuxuryTestTour.com. Huh? Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks well, like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto so, uh, Parts dealer in Modesto uh, has a full gonna, line of quality parts for your car one of or us truck. Experiencing Napa the Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for right, years to friend. come. So we're if you a, think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts. 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, foam. I smell the. I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. We don't tell you what to think. But we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Oh, and one of the truths that we like to deal with is the fact, yeah, I got a dozen texts. Dan, your mic's on. You're talking on the phone as your mic's on. I apologize. That's one of the uh, the bad things about broadcasting. Inevitably, somebody on the air, TV station or wherever, they get caught with their microphone on. Well, I was talking to Dunstan Tao. Dunstan, good morning. How are you today? Hi, good morning. I'm great, Dan. Well, the first time I met you and we talked extensively, um, you were living somewhere overseas. But I understand now you're domestic. You're living here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in Dubai uh, for uh, three years, and then now I'm in the United States. Yeah. Well, listen, I want I want everybody to meet you, and I want to tell them just a, a little bit about you as we get started. Um, the way you and I met is through a brand-new cryptocurrency, and I want you in just a little bit. I want, I want to get here pretty quickly, but I want to talk about Philcoin 
and exactly what it is and how it got started and uh, your purposes for being involved in it. But let's go back in your history. You are known worldwide as a cryptocurrency expert. Well, um, I'm considered an old guard in the Bitcoin space itself. So I was an early Bitcoin miner. And um, yeah, I guess I've been helping governments around the world, um, helping royal families and so on regarding uh, monetary policies and their regulations in cryptocurrencies. So you have been involved in a lot of different cryptocurrencies. Uh, I have. Where is your focus really right now? We hear so much negative information about Bitcoin, about cryptocurrency. Is um, is is it a, a part of our economy, the world economy? Is it something that is sustainable and will it be around? We're so hard up in the United States. Our economy, our monetary systems are just exploding. We have no confidence in them. Is cryptocurrency someplace that people need to think about going? Well, I I believe that cryptocurrency is something. Well, the main cryptocurrencies itself, uh, especially Bitcoin and a couple of others that I would state later, um, they would be the ones that will bring financial sovereignty to the people. And I'd like to explain a bit of what I mean by financial sovereignty. Please. Right now, the amount of value that we hold in our asset, in our life itself, are mostly in the banks. Now, however, when we open up the bank account, we signed off every ownership of the funds, of the value that we create and put in the banks. So you mean when we deposit money in the bank, technically, we give the authority to do something with our money to the banks. Correct. And and we no longer own the money that we put in the banks. That's horrible. It's crazy, right? <laughs> like we spend our lives, we spend our time, our lifeblood, and we create value. And that value is given to somebody else. And that takes away our sovereignty. So if we move our uh, economy, our where our money is being kept and held, if we move that to cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency you're maintaining is sovereign. How does that work? Some of them will allow an individual to be sovereign. For example, especially Bitcoin itself. So I'll bring us to to the war that just happened uh, recently between Russia and Ukraine. Okay. Yeah, the people in Russia and Ukraine, whether or not it's the aggressor or the victim itself, they were able to survive because of Bitcoin. When the war broke out between the two countries, what happened is the banks didn't work on both sides. The credit cards didn't work on both sides. And the reason why the people, the common layman, could survive mainly was because of cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin. How did that happen? What what was the, 
the key to Bitcoin uh, making money transactions available to those people in the war. Yeah, so the people who actually had Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, uh, where the Ukrainians and the Russians, they they already had it before the war broke out. They were able to transact regardless of whether the financial ecosystem was there to support them, whether or not they had funds in the bank. It doesn't matter. And whether or not the governments were allowing them to transact or that whether or not they were being sanctioned by other countries, regardless of any of these situations, and whether or not Bitcoin was illegal or legal, it didn't matter to these people. What mattered to them was it gave them the ability to have wealth sovereignty and they were able to transact. That's incredible. How does that work? Most of the people in the United States hear about cryptocurrency, uh, almost exclusively Bitcoin, and they know it's, it's virtual um, money, but don't really understand how it can be used and what it prevents from happening, the evils that are out there, how it prevents that. How does so for- everyday American, how do, how do, we, how do we do this? So let's say, for example, I have Bitcoin. All, all I need to do is this. I can send Bitcoin to any wallet around the world and not go through the financial banking system. So you can send it directly to another I can wallet. send it directly to another person. And it yes. doesn't go through the banking system. It doesn't go through the banking system, which means that the banks cannot stop me from transacting any amount of Bitcoin that I choose to transact with any individual on earth. And so what about the governments? Can the governments stop it? They can't stop it. They have been trying. (laughs) Trust me, for the past 12 (laughs) years, they have been trying to do it, (laughs) including my own government, uh, because I'm a Singaporean. Yeah, they have been asking me, they have been speaking to me about it, I've had like multiple coffee sessions and so on, but they could not stop any of my Bitcoin transactions. Um, Do you feel comfortable telling the people the story about what happened to you when you were in Singapore, when the government stepped in and grabbed a bunch of your money that wasn't cryptocurrency? Yeah, so so this was what happened to me in Singapore. Uh, Because they knew that I was dealing with cryptocurrencies and they knew that I was in Mt. Gox, um, which was the first uh, Bitcoin exchange. Uh, I had an account there. So what happened was they froze my personal bank account. They closed the bank account after that. Caused me a lot of inconvenience. And after that came back and apologized to me and said that, you know, it was a mistake. <laughs> Uh, and it was a lot of money you told me the number I'm not going to tell the people but it it was a lot of money and I'm sure you got a little upset when you get a call from the bank and saying hey you can't access all this money Mm -hmm. and and it's whatever happened to me right was the same thing that that is happening to people around the world we have there a- are people who own personal accounts, right? And there are people who 
own corporate accounts itself, like companies and so on, uh, churches, uh, religious institutes and such, they have problems transferring funds to certain individuals, certain bank accounts, certain countries and so on. And they say that, you know, it's a problem with compliance, KYC, AML. Some of these were sanctioned countries and such. Yeah, but most of these sanctions were not fair to begin with. So now if I'm an average American or a, a, a citizen of another country on earth, and I want to move my wealth, my, uh, my money from the traditional banking systems and move it somewhere else where it will be safe, how can that happen? And how, when it moves to cryptocurrency and it's in my wallet not every vendor not every company is set up to accept cryptocurrency how do, how do how do we make it happen and how can we make sure that we can still function now uh i would always say that you keep the amount that you need monthly or maybe plus another month or two in your fiat account which is your cash or your bank accounts. The rest of them, I would say, convert into Bitcoin and other major cryptocurrencies. And whenever you need to change out into fiat again, uh, there are ways to do it. Like you could go through exchanges, uh, you could work with uh, institutions around the world. And actually, cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, is so widely accepted that you could go around and you could exchange it for cash or other currencies itself, just directly with people, or even goods and services, or even other businesses. In our city right now, there are a couple of automobile dealerships that you can buy a new car using mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin. And uh, I imagine that is gonna continue to grow and get more widely acceptable. And also payment gateways itself are starting to accept it. Uh, including Bitcoin, MasterCard, and Visa. Hmm. And, you know, we, we started off with with telling uh, a, a, an inside joke. Yeah, at first it was us gamers, the coders, the hackers, the programmers, that accepted Bitcoin. Then everybody was laughing at us and said that, you know, this is a scam, you'll never, you'll never move forward. Later on, it was small little companies that started accepting Bitcoin. Now, it is countries that are starting to accept Bitcoin. Wow. So it's spreading. It is. How long do you think it will be till everyday currency transactions will be largely, in part, using Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, other cryptocurrencies, rather than using fiat dollars? Mm, I believe within the next 10 years, because what we are going through now is the process of a an economic meltdown currently. We have the destruction of quite a few of the major fiat currencies that have been devalued and quantitative easy. Excessive printing of money is happening right now. All these are going to drive the value down from the currency that people are holding. 
And if people are smart enough, they will start getting into cryptocurrencies. So your suggestion is to keep in a fiat account, the regular bank accounts we have, maybe a couple of months of operating cash, but open a cryptocurrency account and start keeping the lion's share of your money in cryptocurrency. Yep, definitely. And you mentioned Bitcoin. Are there any other cryptos that we should look at? Mm, Definitely. A couple of the major ones would be Ethereum. Uh, People could also hold in USDT or other major stable coins. So these are a couple of the major ones. Another one that I would recommend them to start holding because it's cheap now would be Philcoin, the one that I'm actually involved in. Well, I want you to segue into the conversation. This is how you and I met through Philcoin, a mutual friend, a pastor down in Florida. And oh, by the way, um, you're, you're, you're no longer in Dubai. I think the last time we spoke, you were in Dubai. You're now in Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm not in Florida. A couple of hours later, I'll be flying over Dubai again. <laughs> so are you spending a lot of time flying back and forth or are you getting settled in? Well, I'm getting the family settled in, but mostly I'm doing a lot of traveling. Yeah, because my work is mainly geopolitical, working in different governments. So I consistently need to travel. I got you. So Philcoin, let's move into Philcoin. Philcoin is a cryptocurrency. I'm involved in it with you, Um, but it's not a traditional cryptocurrency. Philcoin, that comes from the word philanthropy. Tell us how this all got started. Well, this all got started because um, God gave, or the Holy Spirit gave a co-founder of Philcoin, or should I say the founder of Philcoin, the idea of Philcoin. Because philanthropy has always been in his heart. He just didn't know how to get people to give as a habit, as a lifestyle. And he has always wanted to do it since uh, he came from a poor family when he was young. And now he's prosperous. He wants to guide people to have a habit and a lifestyle giving. Yeah, because in Malachi, in the Bible, it was the only time in the Bible that God tells his people to test him. So this was the creation of Philcoin. While at the other end of the globe, God gave me the idea that, you know, in the early days, Bitcoin was meant to be the end time transfer of wealth for the body of Christ. But, you know, what happened was in the early days, the church didn't accept Bitcoin. I I went around like different churches in Southeast Asia, telling the pastors, telling the churches, you know, buy a bit of Bitcoin. But most of them didn't do it. In fact, almost all of them didn't do it. Yeah, so 12 years, fast forward down the road, we know that God is a God of second chances. And when Jerry came to me about Philcoin, I felt in the spirit that, you know, this is the second coming. This is the second chance for the body of Christ. 
So the main focus of why I'm in Philcoin is to make sure that this becomes the monetary policy for the body of Christ. So you explained to me when we met earlier, you went through the process and what you see in your dream as happening for people around the world, especially indigent people, people that are living in small communities like uh, in, in Africa, in other parts of the country, where if there happens to come to be by government edict, like you said was going to happen with fiat currency, the governments are going to take over. Philcoin is structured to be a way for those people to be able to transact without having to worry about government overreach. They'll be able to, with a cell phone and a Philcoin wallet, they'll be able to transact in their villages and their towns without having any financial interruption. Yep, that's the main goal, which is why I say Philcoin is also meant to give financial sovereignty back to the people, to allow them to transact with each other safely and to allow them to be able to carry on running their businesses to transfer value safely. Now you you guys, Jerry Lopez is the founder and the CEO. I've, I've met Jerry, he's a great guy too. Y'all are on the same page and you fit well together. But you did a, a, a sample of how this would work in a foreign country setting mm-hmm. the process up so that this this people they could transact without having a bank without having an atm but using strictly philcoin tell us about that how'd that work yeah so what happened was we did a small uh, example within the african nations and we said that you know within this small group open up your goods and services and start transacting your goods and services using Philcoin. And you no longer need to go through the fiat ecosystem. And why they want to do it is because they already have problems trying to receive funds from out of Africa because the banking system states that they are not safe to transact with. And so how did this process work? So all they needed was the business having its own wallet. It had a treasury, uh, which is a spot between Philcoin and the fiat value that they have. And they allow the people to cash in and cash out within the individual businesses. So let's say, for example, people are buying eggs the egg seller would actually have a few coin wallet would also have a fiat bank account and when they receive the few coin they cash out on the exchanges and they change it to fiat with their banks and how long did this this sample how long did it last and how successful was it oh this sample uh, is currently still going on. And interestingly, we have countries right now, I'm not talking about the small ones or even the African ones, 
that are looking and having discussions to using Bitcoin has their country's currency. Wow. Yeah, we have even inked up with the manufacturer of the telcos. Uh, there's a company, there are three companies in the world that create telco tech. And one of these became our business partner. And we have just inked out a telco partnership to bring telco services to different countries around the world. So with that, people are given free one month data. If they download the Fieldcoin wallet and start buying some Fieldcoin. So Dunstan, what do you see as far as timing? How long is it going to take before we, we see a, uh, a nation, for instance, the United States, where Philcoin becomes a common method to trade goods and services? I think within one year, we would have maybe two or three, whether or not they are big or small nations, but two or three would start transact using Philcoin to transact together with their financial ecosystem or separate from it, or even a hybrid model. I know you trade significantly in uh, cryptocurrency. How long have you been actually trading? <laughs> uh, 12 years. 12 years. Bit, let me, yeah, let me, I've been in Bitcoin for 12 years and uh, other cryptocurrencies for around uh, nine years plus. Let me, just, let me just tell you a quick story. I was explaining Philcoin to a friend of mine that is really into cryptocurrency. And I went through the whole explanation of the philanthropic piece of it. For instance, I'll be able to make a donation to a pastor in a village in Africa and do it instantly to his wallet from my iPhone, not going through any bank. And he was blown away by it. And he said, man, what a great idea. I hope it works out. He said, who's involved in it? And I said, Dustin Tao. And he perked up and said, my goodness, he's involved in it? And I said, yeah, he's one of the co-founders and he's actually an officer in the company. And he, he instantly said, how do I get involved? You're well known and well thought of around the world uh, as being a cryptocurrency expert. And I want to tell the folks that are listening in right now, I know for a fact this man is a Christian. His heart is not about money. It's not about accumulating. He's got a lot of money. And he wants to teach people in the world how to become philanthropists and using cryptocurrency, and specifically as Philcoin grows, that's, a, that's going to be an easy way to do it. And Philcoin just so happens to be, if not the, one of the safest cryptocurrencies how how is that how can we be certain that we're not going to be robbed our wallet won't be attacked okay so um i believe that you know individual wallets could be attacked because of uh different uh, people's way of handling their own cybersecurity. that is a potential but there is a small risk compared to them losing access to their funds externally by people that they trusted, which are the banks, the financial institutes, and, and so on. Like, 
any day, any one of our businesses, our own personal accounts, our funds can be taken away anytime. Right. So we have created it in such a way where the wallets of Ucoin are non-custodial. What that means is you yourself will have full control over the funds in your wallet itself. Nobody can. We ac- don't have access. Nobody, None of us. Yeah, nobody can access it. Um, not not even the Fieldcoin executive staff, the founders, and so on. Once the Fieldcoin are in your wallet, they're in your custody. They're in your hands. We can't even access it. I'll give an example of that. Not long after I opened my wallet and uh, invested in it, bought Philcoin and it was put in it, when you open the account, there's a very extensive process and things that you have to fill out. And for security purposes, you are given a list of words. How many, how many words is in that, 12? Yeah, it's a 12-word seat phrase. You need to remember it, write it down somewhere. I would engrave it on a piece of metal, put it in the safe, and not let anybody look at it. Let me tell you what happened to me. I lost my 12 words, and I panicked. So I called Rich Wilkerson down in Florida, who's my friend and close friend of yours, and I said, what can I do? Who can I call to get back into my wallet? And he said, Dan, there's nobody. The company can't even access it. You've got to have those 12 words. Thankfully, I had forgotten that I did put it in a piece of paper locked in my safe. So I was okay. But I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is to let people understand how safe it is compared to bank accounts being hacked. That happens Mm -hmm. every day. Bank accounts being hacked or the banks themselves taking your funds and not giving you back. I'm going to give an example, like in Lebanon and other countries, a person had to rob the bank to take back the money that was their own in their own bank account because they had to take out the money to, to pay for treatment for their parents. That's unbelievable. They, they had money in a bank account, their bank account in the in the bank and they couldn't access their account so they had to rob the bank to get their own money mm-hmm. goodness well listen give us a wrap up what would you say if any one of our audience members was sitting across the desk from you right now and they asked you what is the most important thing for me to know about investing in cryptocurrency and what's the difference between Bitcoin as an example, and Philcoin. Okay, I, I would ask a couple of major questions. Firstly, are they interested in protecting their own wealth sovereignty? If it's yes, they need most of their value in cryptocurrencies. And only a few, not all of them. Because most of the cryptocurrencies also do not give people back their financial sovereignty because they are all controlled by companies. They are all institutionalized. So only a couple. That's the first part. Okay. The the second part would be this. 
always use the funds that are not for a rainy day. Because it wouldn't make sense if people push their value into cryptocurrencies, which are highly volatile right now. Uh, and yes, although you, you know, all the governments in the world, the banks and so on, they say that cryptocurrencies are extremely volatile. The Dow Jones just became more volatile than Bitcoin on my birthday itself. Well, that's supposed just, to be the safe. A couple that's, of days ago, that's supposed to be the <laughs> safest place to keep our money. Is you know in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And it was more volatile than Bitcoin on the seventh of October. That's amazing. Yeah, but you don't see in the news and so on, right? Because there's always an agenda. And they don't like to talk about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And whenever they talk about it, it's always propaganda. And they say that cryptocurrencies are bad. Uh, they are volatile. They will crash. Yeah, but the Dow Jones did exactly the same thing. And uh, looking at all the fiat currencies on Earth right now, it's doing exactly the same thing. The pound just dropped below parity to the USD. Wow. What are your thoughts about the U.S. government that is making noises about that the government is going to get in the crypto business at the federal level? Mm -hmm. They would always try to do it. When God gave the first idea of Bitcoin on Earth, um, I would say that it's of God because anything that's of God requires faith. And in order to believe that Bitcoin has has value, you require absolute faith, especially in the early days. So I believe that Bitcoin is of the Lord. Now, when the devil tries to take something, the devil is not a creator. He's always a manipulator and a corrupter. So he copies something of the Lord, tweaks it, and change it to something that's of a corrupted nature, which is what is happening around the world. Governments around the world are going to create this thing called central bank digital currencies, which is a mutated version of what God meant for people. Bitcoin was created and Fucoin was created to give people back their wealth sovereignty. Central bank digital currencies are created to take all transactional sovereignty from the people. And this is what they are going to start on a federal level, regardless of governments. Dunstan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know we could spend a lot more time getting into the details. You've given us some great information and even greater advice. Um, I'll probably be reaching out to you again as people that are listening begin to ask questions and have you back on the show later. Will you come back and do that? Oh, definitely. It would be an honor for me. Well, it's an honor that you're here with us today. Thank you, and I'm so glad you're moving the family to Florida. Uh, I know you travel a lot, and it's a long way from Dubai to pretty much anywhere else. It'll be a lot closer for you living in Florida. 
yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a, a new change. And, well, this place is awesome, right? So much wildlife. <laughs> I have a lake in front of me. <laughs> and green grass. And green grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dunstan Tao, thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Dan. Wow. It's amazing to get the guy that a lot of people peg as the number one cryptocurrency expert on earth, uh, get him on the phone and TNN Live, and he's a friend of ours. He's a friend of the show and a friend of Truth News Network. Anybody that needs or wants that interview, as soon as the show's over today, we will uh, we'll put it out there on our website, truthnewsnet.org, and it will be located down at the bot. No, I tell you what, we'll make it a special page, and we'll just put Dan's conversation with cryptocurrency expert Dunstan Tao. We'll put that out there, and you can go grab it, and you'll be it'll be in a MP3 format. You can share it, download it for yourself. But uh, keep in mind, Philcoin, P-H-I-L-C-O-I-N, the um, the symbol for trading. Currency trading is PHL. I have, and I'm doing something that I don't normally do. I'm invested in Philcoin. It doesn't take a lot of money to buy a lot of Philcoin now. Um, I would suggest that no matter what other cryptocurrency you decide to get into, as you get into cryptocurrency, and I think based upon what he had to say there, I think we all need to think seriously about doing it the way that he taught us. I mean, come on now. If it didn't broke, don't fix it. He knows what he's doing. I will say this. I know this for a fact. He's a billionaire. And um, listen to people that don't tell you how to do something. Listen to people that show you how it's done. He's an expert. That's good enough for me. But Include Philcoin in your purchase because there is a way as he didn't get into the details of how it's uh, being used for philanthropic um, giving, but it really is. But we'll have him back and uh, I'll get him after I get questions. I'll get dozens of questions from listeners today, uh, but we'll get him to answer your questions. And I encourage you, start learning about cryptocurrency. We all need to do that. And us old folks, us baby boomers, we've always been fiat kids. Fiat is just regular currency like the dollar. And you and I both know the dollar's not worth the dollar when it comes to putting it up against buying something. Here, of course, it is. But around the world, it goes up and down and acceptance is not so good. I've actually been in Milan, Italy, one of the biggest cities in Italy, and I came off a train, and I'm going to my hotel. And the taxi driver, he asked me how I'm going to pay, and I gave him my credit card. He wouldn't accept it. I said, all I've got is U.S. dollars. He wasn't interested in my U.S. dollars. He made me get out of the cab. That's the way the dollar is being viewed more and more by people in countries and Uh, developed countries, especially over in Europe. So we need to be open. We need to think through this stuff and we need to learn more. Dunstan Tao, we've got a whole lot more. In fact, we've got the President of the United States for you. 
He's up next. <laughs> we had Dunstan. Now we're going to have Joe. <laughs> Don't go away. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied. The flavor is decadent. The touch, divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, foam. I smell the. I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. This president just doesn't do interviews. He'll do um, walk by a bunch of uh, reporters and they'll shout questions and he'll answer some of them. But unlike every president before him, he does not do many sit-down interviews. And of course, he's very picky when he does one, who he does it with. And I'm sure that every question that the interviewer is going to ask the president as an interviewee is approved, if not planned and handed to the questioner before the interview begins. He had one such get-together with Jake Jake Tapper, CNN's Jake Tapper. And um, Jake, to his credit, he got into some very important things, much of it very controversial. But I want you to listen to a little bit of it. Um, Got a couple of segments from it, but the first one, they go into it talking about the evidence that's out there that looks like will implicate 
Hunter Biden, and there may be pending litigation, maybe arrest involved in it, what the president thinks about it. Here's Jake Tapper and President Biden. Our reporting, CNN's reporting, and the Washington Post reporting suggests the prosecutors think they could, they have enough to charge your son, Hunter, uh, for tax crimes and a false statement about a gun purchase. Um, personally and politically, um, how do you react to that? Well, first of all, I, I'm, I'm proud of my son. This is a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on, uh, uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, he's overcome that. He's established a new life. He is, um, uh, I'm confident that he is, what he says and does are consistent with what happens. Um, and uh, for example, he wrote a book about his problems and was straightforward about it. I'm proud of him. He came along and said, by the way, this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it, but turns out that when he made my application to purchase a, a gun, what happened was he said, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked the question, are you on drugs, you use drugs? He said no. And he wrote about saying no in right. his book. So I have I, great confidence in my son. I love him. And uh, he's on a straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple of years now. And I'm just so proud of him. Um, you're about to turn 80 next month. Happy birthday ahead of time. <laughs> Whenever anyone raises concerns about your age, you're the oldest president in the history of the United States, you always say, watch me. Voters have been watching you. Democratic voters approve of the job you're doing. Democratic voters uh, overwhelmingly like you. Um, but one poll shows that almost two-thirds of Democratic voters want a new nominee in 2024. And the top reason they gave was your age. So what's your message to Democrats who like you, who like what you've done, but are concerned about your age and the demands of the job? Well, they're concerned about whether or not I can get anything done. Look what I've gotten done. Name me a president in recent history who's gotten as much done as I have in the first two years. Not a joke. You may not like what I got done, but the vast majority of the American people do like what I got done. And so I just, it's, it's a matter of, can you do the job? And I believe I can do the job. I've been able to do the job. I've gotten more done. I got the inflation reduction. I got all these pieces of legislation passed. And I ran on that. I said, this is what I was going to do. And I'm still getting it done. We've got, you know, dealing with, you know, making sure the veterans get compensated for the, for, you know, burn pits. The, the burn pits, making yeah. sure that we're in a situation where we finally have action on guns. And by the way, I'm going to get an assault weapons ban. Before this is over, I'm going to get that again. Not a joke. And watch. And so I just think there's a, you know, it's a matter of, has anybody done more in the first two years of their administration for a guy who was, they've been saying this about my age for, since I began to run. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know. Would you, you come work out with me in the morning? <laughs> anytime, anytime. The, the uh, um, big question, of course, is when you're going to make an official announcement about whether or not you're going to run for 2024 for re-election. Do you think you'll make a decision before the end of the year? Well, look, uh, I'm not going to make this about my decision. I'm going to make this about this off-year election. After that's done in November, then I'm going to be in the process of deciding. Is one of the calculations that you think you're the only one who can beat Donald Trump? I believe I can beat Donald Trump again. I believe I can beat Donald Trump again. So he, I guess, a lot of other Democrats and many Republicans are certain that the former president is going to be running again. It's interesting when you listen to him in that, that segment. And I watched most of that interview. I didn't watch it all. 
Uh, but it's the same thing. He does not answer direct questions giving direct answers. Just look at what I've done. <laughs> okay? Let me tell you what you've done. You destroyed law enforcement. You obliterated the U.S. energy industry in total. You blew up the supply chain issue that is keeping us from getting goods that we need from overseas. And because of that, the prices of everything have gone up. But the big thing you've done, Mr. President, is you have spent trillions of dollars giving the money a huge part of it away. And as a matter of fact, at least half a trillion that you have spent has been stolen. And all of these uh, benefit programs that are out there, that's a fact. It's almost like every week we get another report that 200 million was stolen here, 500 million was stolen there. And it's like it's no big deal. That's going to happen, they tell us. People are going to find ways to bend the rules and benefit themselves. I got to be honest with you. I disagree with him. I don't know of another president that has done as much bad as he's done, as much pain to the American people as he has inflicted. And he's opened us up for all kinds of of criminal activity by flooding our nation, allowing criminals, known criminals to come into the nation. Many of them, we don't have any idea where they are. His Department of Homeland Security has just let them go. And then we wonder why crime is ramping up in our major cities where a lot of these illegals go. It's almost daily that we hear a report, a horrible report of somebody getting hurt, somebody getting raped, somebody getting shot and killed at the hands of an illegal immigrant. I got to be honest with you. Short of another election night debacle at 10 o'clock when they close the polls, short of that happening again, there is no way Joe Biden will beat or can beat Donald Trump. Unless, again, somebody puts their finger on the balance and moves it towards a Joe Biden if he runs again. And I don't think the American people will elect him. Not for any other reason other than physically and mentally, he's not prepared to serve for four more years. And I'll say this again, I'm not certain he's going to finish out this term. We'll see. Big news coming out every day. What about the big one, the bomb that dropped yesterday? Another FBI bit of bad news. A whistleblower came forward. The FBI actually offered former British spy Christopher Steele up to a million dollars if he could prove the claims in his infamous dossier. Now, what does that mean? Okay, that dossier has been debunked totally. We were told over and over and over again, oh, it's real, it's real. It was totally manufactured. I can see a a scenario in which a group of people, government folks, and maybe Christopher Steele, 
He's a British spy. Maybe him sitting there having a drink and they're saying, we got to make something up that we can totally destroy Donald Trump's pictures, the way he looks, the way that the American people look at him. We've got to find a way to do it. And the best way to do it is create, fabricate all kinds of things that hook him up with Vladimir Putin. And then they begin saying, what do you think about this? How about another round? Drink a few here and then really fabricate the story and it ramps up and it ramps up. That's exactly what Russiagate sounds like. FBI supervisory counterintelligence analyst, a guy named Brian Auten, his testimony came during the first day of John Durham's criminal trial against Igor Danchenko. Danchenko, by the way, was paid by the FBI, was an informant, and Christopher Steele's primary source for the Steele dossier. And Danchenko is accused of lying to the FBI. Auden interviewed Danchenko and Steele as part of the Bureau's Crossfire Hurricane team investigating an alleged connection between Trump and Russia. Auten testified the FBI offered Steele up to a million bucks, which was ultimately never paid because Steele could not substantiate the claims that he made in his dossier. Yes, it did, Auten reportedly told Durham when asked if the FBI offered Steele any incentive to provide corroborating evidence. Mr. Steele was offered anywhere up to a million dollars for information which could help prove the allegations against Trump. On top of that, to not apprive providing corroborating evidence, Auten also testified that Steele refused to give the FBI the identities of his sources during a meeting in October of 2016. No, Auten said under oath when Durham asked if the FBI had any corroborating evidence for the Steele dossier on the date the agency applied for a FISA warrant to spy on Trump advisor Carter Page. You remember that. you got to have a warrant to go do that, and to get the warrant, you've got to tell the court, here are the bases for which we need to be able to go spy on this guy. It's because of this, it's because of this, And this is all verified. None of it was verified. Auten reportedly testified the FBI sought that evidence to back up the dossier from other U.S. intelligence agencies, but couldn't get any. So Auten and other FBI agents met with Steele October 3rd of 2016. That's after the FBI got the dossier on the 19th of September three weeks before this meeting. Despite the FBI not having any evidence, Auten confirmed the agency relied on the dossier in its initial FISA application less than 20 days after the meeting with Steele. Steele's dossier, it was commissioned, according to Auten, it was commissioned by opposition research firm Fusion GPS and paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee through law firm Perkins Coy. Durham's criminal probe has already resulted in one guilty plea by former FBI attorney Kevin Kleinsmith. He admitted to doctoring an email to get a FISA warrant against Carter Page. There is just one evil after another evil surrounding this entire 
investigation of Donald Trump. Have you ever stopped and wonder why the left seemingly in lockstep every Democrat in Congress, the rest of the government, bureaucrats, it doesn't matter. Every Democrat was all in. Let's get rid of Donald Trump. When you put that in the context of what was going on in the nation outside of our government, things were pretty darn good at the time. Maybe that was why they were so upset. Because things were going so good. They were going much better than when Biden and Obama were at the top of the government. I mean, seriously, there's no comparison about the economics of the nation, our foreign policy, our foreign allies overseas once they got past the way that Donald Trump presents himself and they began to see substantive things take place that made great zooms ahead for pretty much every American, especially middle-class Americans. And it all happened because Donald Trump was a businessman and he brought his business expertise to the table as president totally for the American people. They could not handle that. So much so that they actually created. Can you imagine the process and the people and the resources that it took to put all of this stuff together? And what is funny about it all, when the dust settled and it was all over, they had mud on their face, and every one of them were facing criminal prosecution for what they did. I'm like you. I don't necessarily believe the Department of Justice, the FBI, is even going to go down that road. And they don't have to if they don't want to. That's where any criminal actions are going to be taken. It has to initiate there. Just exposing what was done and who did it. To be honest with you, that's good enough for me. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I guess based on that about the Russia collusion story and the crossfire hurricane story, we got the truth now. So maybe we can use that to make some uh, decisions for us moving forward about a lot of things. Who was involved? Who green-lighted it? Who are the people that were in charge that let it happen, even pushed it to happen? And then when we get a new Congress coming up in January, they'll all be seated after the election, and the House is controlled by Republicans. They can start cleaning up what was happening in the previous administration, trying to get rid of Donald Trump. Now, we've talked several times about uh, Joe Biden's plan to cancel 20000 up to 20000 in student debt. Well, the administration has published the application form for that. It has boxes for information like your name, your social security number, your date of birth. Biden, in tandem with Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, announced the scheme back in September. Under the scheme, people are eligible for relief if they make less than $125,000 a year or are married and make less than a quarter of a million in a year. People applying for the program, they're warned that by signing a form, 
they're certifying under the penalty of perjury that all of the information given is correct. That means they could get in trouble if they claim to be eligible but are not. Yeah, right. The Biden administration is going to go after somebody that they canceled their debt and whoever that was lied or gave some disinformation. We're talking about Joe Biden, the president of the United States. He still maintained last night when he interviewed with Jake Tapper that Hunter Biden hadn't done anything wrong. He made some mistakes, but he's owned up to his mistakes. He's not been held accountable. Until that happens, there is no way you can convince me that Joe Biden in any way is for enforcing laws in America. A separate document for verifying a person's income has been released. It says an applier has got to re- provide a tax return or tax return transcript from the IRS from the years 2020 or 2021. If they don't have that, people can provide IRS verification of non-filing status if they didn't file a return. And there's another form. This one is for parents who have to attest to their income. That form comes into play if their dependent child asks for student debt cancellation. Parents are subject to the same income requirements. Dependents of single parents are only eligible if mom or dad make less than $125,000 a year. Dependents of married parents are only eligible if mom and dad make less than a quarter of a million a year. I know I'm not politically correct. Maybe I should have said mom and mom. Mom and mom, mom and dad, dad and dad. Oh my gosh, get the pronouns right, Dan. The new farms are not ready to fill out. That's according to White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre during a briefing yesterday. They were released to help people know what to expect. We're trying to be transparent. We're trying to lay out how this is going to go down. In short, the form is simple. It's easy to do. It should take less than five minutes to complete, and it'll be available on mobile and desktop this month. It's taking some time, but the Department of Education is very much focused on it. So I will tell you factually, when the first debt reduction or cancellation for student loan, when it happens, there are lawsuits that are queued up around the nation that will be filed against this happening. Why? No president has the unlimited authority to cancel the debt of $1 of federal debt for any individual, any group, or any corporation. There's no authorization in the Constitution. There's no congressional authorization given in the past sometime with legislation. President Biden cannot do it on his own. And so what does that mean? None of this is going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen. Joe Biden knew it wasn't going to happen because it's illegal. But what he hopes it's doing, it's making every Democrat committed to his administration and to the federal government. You got to love us because we're the ones. We're the ones. We're canceling your student debt. You didn't do anything wrong. There is no reason why you should be forced to pay that. No conversation at all about people that didn't borrow any college debt money. Uh, They either went 
financed it themselves, worked and financed it, got grants, got scholarships. You know, those people that really put their work and their energy into doing and getting their education. They're not these, and not everybody that has student debt that's outstanding falls into the category, but there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of students that really didn't want to go to college, but that was just the thing you needed to do. And so they went to college and they got caught up in college life. And I'm not talking about the education part of it. And they just blew it off and they ended up at home with nothing, especially not an education. But what they did bring home is a lot of student debt. I don't know about you, but in my life, I always seem to have been held accountable for the bad decisions I made. Even if when I made them, I didn't mean anything. I just made a bad decision. There's always a price to pay. Somebody's got to pay it. In this case, Joe wants you and I to pay it all. Wants the taxpayers to pay it all. That's nothing new. That's what Democrats do. (laughs) Democrats are into give us more money. Give us all the money. And we're even going to have uh, legislation pending that's going to tax you more. Why do we do that? Because we're the elites that know more than you do. We understand your life. We understand the things you need. We've got the money. Agree with us to get it or else. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes or insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com slash workshops you'll find indoor and outdoor workshops even home systems workshops plus you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment master the basics at homeowner 101 only at the home depot how doers get more done register now at homedepot.com slash workshops Let me give you one more example of how the Biden administration works. You remember the, the big debacle down at the southern border when those uh, Border Patrol agents were on horseback and all of these Haitian immigrants, a huge crowd of them, came in and they were trying to keep them in a group and the report came out that one of those riders on a horse whipped some of those Haitian immigrants with the reins that was on their horse. Remember that story? Oh, it went viral. 
everybody was saying, you can't do that. These Border Patrol people can't do that. They're beating. In fact, there were tons of Democrats that were pontificating in front of television cameras, and they got into the slavery thing and the totalitarianism of these law enforcement agents down at the southern border. Alejandro Mayorkas, he got up. He was part of a, uh, a White House press conference that was, it was strictly to talk about this particular debacle, and of course he was going to investigate it and make sure that this would never happen again. He was going to hold those agents accountable that were beating those Haitian immigrants. Well, guess what? It just came out minutes ago. Alejandro Mayorkas was told that day the photographer who captured a clash between those agents and the Haitian migrants, it happened in the southwest sector, Del Rio, Texas, had said that the incident was being misconstrued hours before Mayorkas joined that White House press conference. And of course, he didn't challenge any of the false narrative. He knew that those immigrants weren't beaten. This happened on September 24, 2021. An email that turned up by the Heritage Foundation through a Freedom of Information Act request. It shines light onto the internal deliberations surrounding this range-whipping controversy. In fact, agents were using split range when it happened, and you do that to control your horse as migrants rushed across the river, but a narrative based on a, call it a misinterpretation, I'll call it a lie. Anyway, it was a misinterpretation of the photos of the incident, was running and on September 24th was further fueled by Joe Biden. Quote, to see people treated like they did, horses barely running over, people being strapped. It's outrageous, Biden told reporters. And he made a whipping motion with his hand. I promise you those people will pay. There will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. Alejandro Mayorkas, when Joe Biden said that, he knew those Haitian immigrants weren't whipped. But you know what? Carrying out and perpetuating the conversation That was good for the Democrat Party cause. And that's what drives the boat. Well, regarding crime in our streets, it's an everyday thing now. There were three fatal stabbings within just 10 days on the New York City transit system. Just on the transit system, 10 days. Three fatal stabbings. Don't know how many more that weren't fatal. The surge of deadly attacks, other documented violent incidents, that all comes as the Big Apple grapples with an ongoing major crime wave. The most recent fatal incident occurred about 8.30 Sunday evening. Lamont Barkley, a 55-year-old guy, was stabbed multiple times in the stomach by a man and a woman on the BX-19 bus, and it happened in the Bronx. Barkley was engaged in a dispute with two suspects before the attack. He was rushed to the hospital, but later succumbed to his injury. A woman, Ebony Jackson, was arrested Monday for her alleged role in the incident. Cops are still searching for the other 
male suspect. On Thursday, another stabbing, fatal, occurred in the Bronx, this time in a subway station. Charles Moore, who was a city field worker and a youth basketball coach, was exiting an elevated subway station at East 176th Street and Jerome Avenue when around 10.30 p.m. he was attacked. Surveillance videos showed Moore get the better of his attacker for just a second, slammed the suspect into a wall on the subway platform. Then the suspect pulls out a knife, stabbed Moore over and over and over. He was rushed to the hospital. Didn't work. He died there. On September 30th, Tommy Bailey, 43-year-old, riding the subway home at about 8.50 p.m., when homeless man Alvin Charles, another 43-year-old, slashed Bailey in the neck. Bailey was rushed from the Atlantic Avenue subway station in Brooklyn, but was pronounced dead. This is all being normalized. This kind of stuff is happening again and again and again. Now, I'm not going to get into the uh, who's the heaviest handed on criminals and criminal activity as far as the government people, all the way up to and including who occupies the White House. But let me just say this. This administration has normalized deadly criminal acts against American citizens. It's almost like they're saying, you know what, this stuff happens all the time. People just need to get accustomed to it. You know, we don't like it, and it's a bad thing. We all know that, and we don't accept it as being normal. But you know what? We live in a different world than we did 20 years ago. People do things and listen to things differently now. And the world's just become a violent place to live. But that's where we live. That's who we are. We've got to deal with it. And, of course, driving all of this criminality is anger, pushback from minority people against those ruthless killers that wear uniforms and a badge. The defund the police movement that started in that little town in Missouri, remember that? That's where it began. It started there. It, it took on a life of its own. Black Lives Matter got involved in it made it their mantra, their talking point. They raised millions, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars using that as a primary tool, and it was just made more powerful when George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. That was just fuel to their weaponry to weaponize the perpetuation of criminal acts because of the good people, the good people. You know, those cops. And here we are, Americans yesterday, in a poll, we mentioned it at the top of the show, listed criminality, crime, rampant crime, getting worse and worse and worse as the number one concerning issue as we go into the midterms. You know, do you ever watch Laura Ingram? Laura Ingram's on at 9 o'clock Central Time every weekday evening on Fox News. She's been a radio host, had a great show for a number of years, and she's one of the best. She is an attorney. She actually law clerked at the Supreme Court. So she's got a knowledge, a lot of knowledge about legal matters, and she's always coming up with some great things, some very controversial things, 
and pretty much always gives a, a little bit different spin from the normal. You know, the normal one, the one that Democrats, leftists, and mainstream media are spitting out there. Last night, she had Miranda Devine on the show with her. Miranda is a writer for the New York Post. She's the one that broke the Hunter Biden story. Literally, she broke the story, and her story was not allowed to be published on Twitter, Facebook, any other social media. You couldn't put it up there. Why? It was Russian disinformation. Anyway, the two got into a conversation. Listen to those. Listen to them from last night. And now another norm the Democrats are happy to shatter. Democrat candidates and incumbents across the country are running scared and away from debates because, as Victor said, they can't run on their record. They're not going to talk about rising crime rates, inflation, recession, certainly not the falling stock market. Have you looked at your 401k lately? None of that. In fact, they're so desperate to avoid any discussion of these inconvenient issues that several Democrats are either refusing to debate their Republican opponents or agreeing to only one debate very close to Election Day. In the Arizona governor's race, liberal Katie Hobbs appeared in a safe zone on Face the Nation to explain why she won't debate Carrie Lake. I have no desire to be a part of of the spectacle that she's looking to create uh, because that doesn't do any service to the voters. Oh, really? Well, that's too bad. Think about that for a minute. Of course, the real spectacle is what is happening to Arizona under Biden's open border. It's a huge surge in crime there and homelessness. But defending her views on any of that, well, that doesn't do a service to the voters. (laughs) What an insult. Another reason to vote straight ticket Republican in Arizona. And look at poor John Fetterman. I mean, that man should be home trying to get well. Instead, he's trying to stumble away from accountability for his positions on everything from ending cash bail to banning oil and gas. Uncle Festerman only agreed to one debate, and it's late on October 25th. It's normal to have one debate uh, in October, and that's exactly (laughs) what was always the plan. But because he's been uh, struggling uh, in the race, you know, he tried to turn this into an issue. Struggling. Well, Oz wanted more debates earlier, noting that early voting started in the state in late September. But look, if I were a political consultant advising Hobbs and Fetterman, I'd be telling him to avoid debates, too. I would change the subject immediately from the economy and crime to abortion. I don't know, Trump, climate change, you know, whatever. Look, I get it. Their record is indefensible. What they're doing makes sense as a selfish political matter to avoid debates, but it's incredibly disrespectful to the voters. Speaking of disrespect, by the way, what New Hampshire incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan is doing to her state, it's just obscene. She's only holding about one campaign event a week. I kid you not. And of course, she won't agree to debate her challenger, Don Balduck. Now, in New England, that's where I'm from. People used to pride themselves on vigorous debate. And in New Hampshire, who in the name of Robert Frost would think that a New Hampshire politician would even consider hiding from her own constituents? Hey, Mags, the state motto is live free or die, not let's flee and duck. You notice that beyond avoiding debates, by the way, liberals like Senator Hassan 
They aren't even hosting public town halls either. They used to do that all the time. So voters don't get to ask her questions pretty much about anything. Certainly not on the issues they're getting hammered by, the policies she voted for. Families in New Hampshire now are being forced to go into debt big time just to afford the essentials. High inflation coupled with historic interest rate hikes have some New Hampshire residents relying on credit cards to get by. According to the Wallet Hub, the average New Hampshire household has more than $8,400 in credit card debt now. Now, <laughs> this is heartbreaking. It's infuriating. I lived in Hanover, New Hampshire for four years in the 80s during college. And if you were a candidate who wanted to compete there, and a lot of them came through uh, Hanover, you had to face the people. You had to answer a lot of questions. But now, with the you-know-what hitting the fan, they're going to give Maggie Hassan a pass? People of New Hampshire? How's that granted in your veins? When Americans are suffering, no politician should be able to skate to re-election without defending his or her record. Never should it be allowed to happen. And of course, today's media, well, they've been part of the protection racket, though, haven't they? They've gone from holding all politicians accountable to holding Democrats' coats. Joining me now is Stephen Miller, former senior advisor to President Trump, founder of America First Legal, and Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, and author of my favorite, The Laptop from Hell. Stephen, um, now, I, I want to just focus for a moment on New Hampshire, okay? This is the live free or die state, okay? That, how can Maggie Hassan avoid debating her opponent and be taken seriously by anyone there? Well, she shouldn't be. Only with the indulgence of the left-wing media is that even possible. Maggie Hassan has voted for every single radical left policy that is ruining the state of New Hampshire, for the open borders and the drugs that are destroying an entire generation, for radical gender ideology, for runaway inflation, for rampant crime. She's voted for all of it. Her voting record is indistinguishable from that of Bernie Sanders or Chuck Schumer. She's a hardcore leftist. She has nothing in common with the people of New Hampshire, and that's why she won't debate, and the media's letting her get away with it, and that is a travesty. The era of objective media, sadly, in this country is over. You know, one good thing for me is when I listened to that segment, that was about five, five and a half minutes, the, the content, the meaty information that was included, we just don't get that from very many news sources anymore. Formerly, we could go to pretty much any of the national media sources, and we were given media reports, information. We don't get that anymore. We get pontification of the personal ideologies of not the people that are being reported about, but the people that are doing the reporting. There's this whole system that has been created very quietly, very evilly over the last decades in the news media industry, which is we control the narrative. We being all of the media combined. We control the news. It doesn't have to be the facts of an event that happened. It doesn't matter if it's a horrible event or a good event. It doesn't have to be factual about stats. 
demographics information that comes out about the operation of the existing administration. We don't even have to talk about it, or if we do, we can bend the facts to fit the perspective that we and our media outlet and all of our fellow mainstream media outlets, what we're believing and telling the American people. We just make it fit. I remember I had a horrible knockdown and drag out Facebook messenger back and forth years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, maybe even longer than that with one of my closest friends from college. And this person was very conservative, grew up in the South in a conservative state, in a conservative city, in a conservative family. But this person is now a shrink. And with that comes the ability to know more than anybody else in their circle. Most shrinks are the epitome of what the word elitist means. Not all, but most that I've encountered. And this person's entire view of life is 180 degrees away from where it was. The glass is always half empty. It's never half full. And you would think a shrink would do it the other way. And of course, anybody that is conservative, anybody believes in power to the people, anybody that believes in the rule of law and that evil document, the U.S. Constitution, first of all, you're illiterate, you're stupid, you're non-worthy of any kind of gifting or opportunities just because you're not one of those people that believe the government has all the answers. You just heard the explanation of what's going on in a lot of the election, a lot of the races. We have Democrat candidates, even incumbents, that refuse to debate those that are running against them in the upcoming general election in 28 days. That doesn't sound like they really want the people to know who they are, what they think, and what they're going to do. Think about that. Why is that? Why would that be the case? Well, we're not through with our president, folks. We've got some more Joe Biden stuff coming up in a few minutes. Also, if you were here at the top of the show, you heard our interview with Dunstan Tao, a crypto guru, one of the greatest and the best known around the world. That interview in its entirety will be posted at truthnewsnet.org. About an hour from now, you can grab it then. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. 
for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. I mean, the strangest things can happen. I, you know, it, it, it's it's not a really sophisticated system to do a studio today. I mean, all you got to have is maybe not even a computer, a laptop or an iPhone, and an access to the Internet. You can pretty much do anything you want to and make it sound like you're professional or at least trick people. Sometimes, though, Electronics just don't do what they're supposed to do. That happens every once in a while. Earlier, right before the interview that I did with uh, Dunstan, I had a conversation with him to get him ready to go, and I forgot to turn my mic off. One of the curses of broadcasting, I promise you, I've been there many, many times, is you forget to turn the mic off. And me and a bunch of other people in broadcasting that I know have really got in trouble because of what they were saying and who they were saying it to on an open mic. Thankfully, I was just talking to Dunstan, and I certainly didn't say anything ugly. So real briefly, before we hear from President Biden again, this criminality thing, it's really getting bad. The wife of a DeKalb County, Georgia, a pastor, died Monday this week after being shot by a stray bullet. And it happened while she was in bed on Wednesday, October 5th at 12.30 a.m. The Atlanta Constitution Journal reported that LaShunda Heath Ellison's shooting, noting she was rushed to the hospital after her husband and children noted that she was unresponsive. Her husband's a pastor, Mac Ellison, said this, I stand here completely devastated, not knowing what is next, but trusting God for everything. It happens over and over and over again. You would think that when we see a problem that that's big, that wide, that our government that is charged and has total autonomy and the singular permission to make sure that Americans are safe. That's the number one thing they are supposed to do. Anybody that's elected to federal offices, they're supposed to, number one, make sure Americans are safe. And it just seems like these kind of things are happening over and over and over again and nobody's doing anything about them. And of course, the evil things, according to our president, are those assault weapons Oh my gosh, you know, he banned them very successfully when he was still in the Senate. He brags about it all the time. What he doesn't tell everybody, it eventually was repealed, the law that did that. 
What he doesn't tell anybody was the reason it was repealed is because the statistics did not show that banning assault weapons, and there is no such thing as in the the public people, an assault weapon. An assault weapon, a weapon of war, is a fully automatic gun that works like a machine gun. You see and hear on the movies, you see it all the time. Nobody in America has those now unless they're owned illegally or they're a member of law enforcement. The FBI's Uniform Crime Report was just released, and guess what it shows? More people are beaten to death with fist and feet than are killed with rifles. Now, this is according to the FBI. 447 people were killed in 2021 with rifles. 461 were killed with personal weapons, such as hands, fists, feet. About a year ago, it was reported in a previous FBI UCR number report showed 454 people were killed with rifles in 2020. 657 were cured, killed with personal weapons, which again are defined as hands, fists, and feet. Other FBI numbers show a similar outcome for 2019. 375 people were killed with rifles, 639 killed with hands, fists, and feet. Here's a question, Mr. President. What are you going to do about that? You're targeting assault rifles, as you call them, and why would you be doing that other than for political brownie points? Because the facts don't back you up when you attack the so-called assault weapons ban. Does everything have to be about politics? The U.S. midterm elections are only four weeks away today, and we talked yesterday about Donald Trump's barnstorming tour in Arizona. He's attacking Joe Biden relentlessly, showing a video of the president's stumbles, the sort of thing many people might not have seen very often if they're relying on the so-called mainstream media. So we had just a little quick video made up. Would you like to see it? How would you say your mental focus is? It's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Let's get ready to bumble. I think it's a right for people that bad at health care. True international depression. God, I said, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. Y'all ready for this? I was going to put him in uh, foot. And Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Wait, 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 wait. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the thing. If you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. Anyway. You know the thing. Makes you wince, doesn't it? It's hard for anyone to argue the US has a strong president. I caught up with columnist with The Hill, Kristen Tate, earlier and asked if Trump's bumbling Biden roadshow aimed to take the president's gaffes to a wider audience. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And what Trump is doing is he's making himself relevant and he is elevating himself to the same level as Joe Biden, kind of creating that head-to-head matchup that we saw in 2020 again now. And I love watching these Trump rallies, Chris. I mean, this is just Trump in his element, doing his thing. The guy has so much energy at his age, it's insane. And you know, it kind of makes me wonder uh, who, you know, I, I used to think as of a few months ago, Trump was kind of dwindling in, in his relevance, and people were kind of talking about Ron DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida, saying, oh, he's got to be the GOP nominee. But now I'm thinking, you know, it could be Trump again. We have a really deep bench of talent on the right, and it'll be fascinating to see the GOP primaries play out. Who will be the best? Who will be the most popular guy? Who will ultimately go up against whoever the left runs? I don't think it'll be Joe Biden, but they have nobody. They have such a shallow bench of talent. But yeah, this these Trump rallies are him at his best, and it reminds us why Trump was such a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you, know, you know, over the span of his presidency, people just love the guy. They do. And he puts on a show, all right. Let's have a, a look at some more of one of these video clips and how the crowd reacts to it. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Um, uh, um, you ready for this? I'm on my drone here. I'm talking. Yeah. I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that. Thank you for tolerance for listening to me. I appreciate it very much. And there you go. The crowd finishes up chanting, Joe's got to go, Joe's got to go. Donald Trump is not even running in these midterms, yet it is a Biden versus Trump dynamic. Yeah, that's exactly right. I watch these clips, Chris. I don't know if I should laugh or cry. I mean, it is so embarrassing that this man is president of the United States. And God bless Trump for showing these videos, because as you mentioned at the beginning of the segment, the mainstream media is such a joke, and they are not reporting the truth to the American people about the decline of Joe Biden's mental abilities. I will say, I think that his latest gaffe asking for Jackie, this Congresswoman who had passed away uh, did make the rounds across even the mainstream media. They couldn't ignore it. It was such a bad gaffe. And now you're starting to see even Democrats saying, hey, maybe this guy really is not mentally fit to be president of the United States. And uh, you're seeing the core of the Democratic Party and the people in power kind of trying to push the president to the side and uh, actually. I think that's why the media is starting to maybe cover the gaffes a little bit more because they don't want him to run in 2024. They need someone new. The big question, though, is who that's going to be, because as I mentioned, they don't have a lot of talent waiting in the wing. You know, this is really not funny. And most people are not making fun of Joe Biden when these kind of things are put together. These are just illustrating the seriousness of the cognitive disability of the United States president. When you put it in perspective of what's going on in your world and mine right now, and everybody in the U.S., our government, our nation, around the world, people are watching 
Most people don't understand how big a deal being a United States citizen really is, especially if you interact with people overseas. I, I, I was born in South Texas. I lived most of my life in Louisiana. I've been here pretty much forever. I, every once in a while, got a chance to go out of the country, been to Canada several times, Mexico a bunch of times. When I went to Europe and Southeast Asia, Malaysia, while I was doing some work overseas, and I spent some time, I was actually there for uh, on two different segments. I was there about a month and a half or two months. I interacted with, through business people in Italy, um, Switzerland, Malaysia, Hong Kong. I le- <coughs> excuse me, I learned a lot and I listened to a lot of people talk to me about our government and the people leading it. Of course, Donald Trump was a lightning rod, but they looked at me and asked the kind of questions that shocked me. Most of them could not understand why there was so much angst among the political party, the leftist political party. They didn't even, they couldn't even think of the name of the Democrat party. But why are so many people trying to get rid of Donald Trump when they looked and saw what was happening in the U.S. You got to understand at that particular time, especially when I was in Zurich, Switzerland, this is, I guess, uh, 2017, 2018. Trump was in the White House. The Swiss people were paying $5 a gallon for petrol at that time. They look at us, we had everything. We had it all good. We had it better than any citizens, citizenry in any other country on the planet. And they saw the change from the Biden administration in a lot of areas, but specifically economics. And they saw the change from that, the segue from that to the Trump administration. And they were doing the SMH thing, shake my head. They couldn't understand why so many Americans wanted to get rid of Trump. And obviously they felt that if and when the people got rid of Donald Trump, the good things that he had stacked up and piled up for the American people would go with him. I got to be honest with you. I was shocked when the election results came out and Joe Biden was announced to be the incoming president. But I was further shocked when I saw he really made he being Joe Biden, made all of the successes of the Trump administration that positively impacted so many people here and people around the world and nations around the world. I couldn't believe that Joe Biden undid most of those things and did it quickly and did it with no thought process at all. It happened just simply because it was Trump. Democrats cannot let a conservative be successful. And when a conservative is successful, I'm not just talking about in the White House or in Congress or in big major corporations. I'm talking about you. If you're a small business owner and you're successful, I heard Barack Obama say, you didn't get there on your own. You had to have 
the cooperation of a bunch of other people that weighed in for you to be successful, and you owe them something for that. And of course, he was referring to the infrastructure that the federal government, state governments, local governments put in place, things that are important like a power grid, streets, all those kinds of things that governments do. But what Barack Obama missed when he said that was that who pays for all of that infrastructure that's done that creates an undergirding for entrepreneurs to open a business that becomes successful? First business I started, I started in a spare bedroom of my house, 1992. Company still going strong. Have the whole floor of the largest office building in Shreveport, Louisiana. I was fortunate. I was blessed. And there are people that hated me because it was successful. That's a story for another day. My point is, American excellence and the push for that, that has always been a staple that people from other countries look at and they envy. This administration, this culture of wokeness that has been dropped in our laps and been forced down our throats, it's taking that away. That scares me. I look at my amazing six grandchildren. They're all growing up. Two of them are out of high school. That just blows my mind. We have three more that are in high school, and the final one is in middle school, junior high. In just a few short years, all my grandbabies are going to be gone, and I don't bear to think. (laughs) But I have one grand, actually have two grandsons that are old enough to make me a great-grandfather. Oh, my gosh. I hate to look at the world that they're going to have to face. It's getting bad enough right now. But just think about if it's allowed to continue to deteriorate the American dream, the operations of the American government, the power that's been maintained for two and a half centuries by the American people. If all that goes away, it won't just be a negative impact on the United States of America. It's going to impact everybody on the planet because America doesn't exist in a vacuum. And all of our goodness, all of our accomplishments, all of the inventions, the processes that we put in place, in large part are duplicated as best as possible in other countries by people that want to create the same good life that has existed here because a group of people that were tired of totalitarianism operations in the governments that they lived under in Europe came to the United States, which it wasn't the United States at the time, it was America or whatever it was that they called it, to make life better for themselves, their children, and their grandchildren. Seriously, folks, we need to back off sometimes and look at this from like the 20,000-foot level. Because when you're in it at ground level, sometimes when you're right on top of it all, you miss things. Even with the problems, the crime, the inflation, the 
prices, the supply chain issues, all those things rolled in. This is still the best nation on the planet. Best place to live. If I could live like I, we had Dustin Dunstan Tao on this morning. He can live anywhere on the planet he wants to. He could fly an Elon Musk rocket ships to the moon if he wanted to. He, he probably could fly his own rockets. He moved from Dubai to Orlando, Florida. United States, a really good place to live. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget that interview with Dunstan Tao will be up at truthnewsnet.org probably within the hour. We'll see you tomorrow right here at TNN Live. Strumming my pain with his fingers Singing my life with his words Killing me softly with his song Killing me softly with his song Telling my whole life with his words Killing me softly with his song One, two, three, uh I heard he sang a good song I heard he had a style And so I came Oh. Mm-hmm.